Jeff, how are you today? I am doing good. I think we are on episode 17. We are. And so let's welcome our listeners to our podcast, <laughs> episode 17. Of the SoCal Riff Ranch podcast. podcast. Yes. This was a showcase spotlight, it's episode my, 17 on our YouTube shoot. One of my favorites, man. This step into dimension C. Another dimension. It, it really truly is, especially when this came out. So, Bill, we did the boss, DC2, Dimension C, and that's all, I mean, is it a, was it a chorus? Was it a, we stepped into another dimension. It we had four, four numbers. To, four to pick from. Step, which door? Just One, button. two, three, or four. Pick yep. a door. Yep. It's, it's, it's eerie. It's, it's cool. I, I remember seeing this online in the 2000s when, um, I think it might have been eBay, Everybody knows this pedal for its color, its name, and the blatantly obvious fact that it only has four selections. They're all buttons. There's no blend. And you, there's no, no blending buttons. There's though. nothing. It's just one, two, three, or four. No. Like And I like that about it. Like two and one doesn't equal three. There's no no. no. It's it's amazing. So we just came off of doing the phase ninety. We love that pedal because you have one option. This you have four options and you can't change anything. Right. So so pick one. Uh, I think two, but <laughs> it could change. Let us know below. Are you one, two, three, or four in the dimension C? It's so it is a form of chorus. We know that. Yes. I think the name Dimension C. But Bill, there's something really strange about this where you're like, I can't put my finger on it. It's doing something else. It sounds so 80s, and that's what everybody else says. It's just got that it does. production to it. So it's definitely a chorus, and I did some research, and the cool thing that sets it apart is that whole BBD bucket brigade device that we've seen in those old analog delays uh, is in it. plays a factor in this thing. So... These four voicings are doing something on top of the chorus, and it's definitely it's it's present in that. You Is hear, that what the C stands for? Chorus dimension C. I'm guessing because it's a it's a dimension of chorus. Yes, right. So that's a good assumption. So it's a very it's a modulated sound, and it's in the realm of chorus. You can right. hear it. It's definitely yeah. a chorus, but man, there's something else going on. And sure enough, it's kind of it's modular in every sense. You know. So what was the Bucket Brigade. What was that? Do so the Bucket you know Brigade about it? circuit and a type of circuit that delays signals by routine periods of time. It also uniquely uses two modulated delayed signals alongside a dry signal. These delayed signals are out of phase with each other to spare you the motion sickness. <laughs> the circuitry, the circuitry, correct that one, yeah. gave the dimension chorus effect a more subtle motionless tone. So it's just, it's weaving things in and out. The immediate, but not crazy like a phaser. No, yeah, which is what you don't want to hear. It said it doesn't make it you nauseous. Yeah, it doesn't want to do that. That's it. These four buttons represent the four modes: one being the mildest, and four being the most extreme. Each mode could be described as varying the rate and depth parameters. 
It's so cool. So it does kind of give you a sense of, is there a little bit of delay in there? Kind of that slapback delay. That's what I hear. I hear like a chorus with like a little bit of slapback delay in there, but not so much to where you hear it. More of like a reverb. I can't describe it. It's modular. And and I went back and forth between two and four of what I liked. Yeah. Uh, And maybe it's because two, it finally from one it, it kicks in it you hear it you you want to hear something yeah. and it does but it's not too crazy and then you can go all the way to four and, and it is crazy so why listen to one and three you either get one where it just kicks in or one that gives you all of it and, and so naturally i that's where i went yeah to yeah. those two i love that you don't have any other options yes that's it you know and we described before it was like this going back to the choruses and we did showcase a chorus to do a tone reference in that video, the CE2. Yes. So those choruses up until the CE5 didn't have any tone controls, which was kind of interesting. Well, okay, I can't, there's no basses, there's no treble. Same thing with the Dimension C. There's no, it, what it's doing to your tone, there's no EQing. Is that why, because you, you chose to shoot, to uh, tone reference it with the CE2. Is that why you did it? I think it was a good representation of all the CEs. That's, you know, people love the CE2. Yeah. And they also did the Waza of the CE2 and the Dimension C. Yeah. So it, it, it seemed fitting. Yeah. Okay. You know? Well, that was a good choice. Because yeah. it, that it was a good tone reference, I thought. Yeah to the dimension C. Well, all of a sudden you when you compare them you go, okay, the dimension C is definitely doing something additionally. Else. Yeah. You know, there's something on top of that. There's a reverb or a so that that bucket brigade, it's kind of like we've mentioned before that analog delay is very forgiving cuz it's so dark and it's doing something in that realm. It's just it, it there's it, there's more going on. It sounds like you have a, a couple effects on. It sounds like almost sounds like a rack mount gear to that subtle 80s sound to where everything's going through your effects loop. You know, I, I still like that pedal, but I wish I could go back to the day when I first heard it. Yeah. Because when we first plugged that in and then played it, especially on number two, yeah, I just went, oh my gosh, what is this? And it still does that pretty much for me. I mean, I still just love it. And, you know, spoiler alert... We got a Waza Dimension C coming. Yes, we do, and I'm so I can't wait till it gets here. I think it gets here like in three more days. I can't wait to plug it in and do just like we did with the. And I'll wait till you're here. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And then we'll we'll explore it together because that first hearing, there's just something special about it, and 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 more so in, in any other pedal than that Dimension C. I think. It's a mysterious pedal. I love the look. I love the name, but that there's something magical about that sound. It sounds very '80s. I, I just enchanting. You know, there's something so cool and mystical. I don't. I can't say enough about this pedal. It just it it really does to that like the wow factor. And I sent you that text. How cool is it in this Wazacraft thing? When they started these, I got it. It's like okay. They're going to do the blues driver, you know, the overdrive that makes those all make sense. But for them to do the CE2, I was like, okay, that makes Thank sense. Thank you. Thank you for doing the CE2. Yeah. But for them to do the dimension C, that's for the cult following. Thank that you. Thing Thank you. Because they could have skipped you. that over. They didn't have to do that. And they did the same thing with the heavy metal 
pedal, which it, is wild. It, it's such a, it's again, the cult island of that thing. You get it, you yeah, know? Yeah. So that Dimension C, man, what a treat. That yeah. I got the C2, get it. But for them to redo that one and True Bypass, and there's also another function on there, home run. Can't wait. And it's, you know, you, you, it's a pricey Wazacraft out of the, the family of those out there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited thoroughly. All right. Well, it's going to be here. And, and, oh. and, I, and I really like this uh, showcase spotlight. I'm glad we did the CE2 up against it just to kind of hear, you know, the tone reference to tie them in. Yeah. Uh, that was brilliant. And that was a fun one to shoot. It really was. Yep. All right. Anything else on the uh, Dimension C before we move on to fan mail? I'd say that might be in my, and we didn't really talk about our top fives yet, but I think, Bill, when we get to that top fives, this might be in my top five of favorites. I think think so. That's going to be one of our segments coming up. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's something really cool about this one. It is a special pedal. Yep. Yep. All right. You ready for fan mail? Let's get it. All right, we have uh, an email here from Dakota, and he's out of San Jose, California. And Dakota says, hey, Bill and Jeff, can't wait to see what you guys shoot out next. Oh, we can't either. All right. (laughs) We love it. Okay, here's the question. It sounds like you both are in bands. The singer in our band is high maintenance. He shows up late, isn't prepared. What should I do? Band dramas. You know what? On our break, we were just talking about bands and, you know, I, the bands that we've been in. And we had rehearsal uh, Sunday and uh, my band members, we've been playing together for years and years. Mm-hmm. And it's just so tight. And it's fun to just plug in. And every, all, the, all the gear works. So the room's ready to go. Everybody just plugs in and we start playing. And we play for two hours and 15 minutes, about 24 songs. And it's so fun because everybody's on the same page and we're tight and they know that I like for everybody to be on time and they're all here five minutes early, tuned up, ready to go right at four o'clock on Sunday. It's just such a pleasure Mm -hmm. to to do that and to have that going. And I've played in bands where the singer showed up late Mm -hmm. and wasn't ready and hadn't practiced and everybody's playing the song and he doesn't know when to start and when to stop. And, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. What's your experience with that, Jeff? Oh boy. Where do we start? You know, it's, it's so funny and it's, it's hard to really pinpoint it because they are these little relationships you have with people and they're all different and there's a blueprint for all of them. And you can't use the last relationship to compare it to anything to this one. Cause the, the band's different. The people are different. The style's different. Yep. The writing approach is different. Yep. And then there's personalities and time schedules. And Oof. so you, you almost take it for granted when you've been playing with some people for a couple of years and like autopilot, you just go through the set and it is what it is. Cause you forget you, start it over again you go oh yeah you don't just get in a room and it clicks like that and it's a growing process man it's i understand why there's documentaries of of bands with you know shrinks involved and it's a marriage in a lot of ways shapes and forms and it's interesting because you know i've learned so much working with other people and playing with other people just dynamics of other people it doesn't matter style age anything it's just good to I was I was always told that just play with as many people as you possibly can, you know, 
in the same room, both sitting with guitars. How do you communicate? You know, yeah. be willing to ask, what did you just do right there? Can you show me that? You yeah. know, egos. Oh boy. Of, of all sorts of things. It's, 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 it's part of the magic, you know? Yeah. And, and you, you hit it on the head, Jeff, uh, like-minded people would be a good, um, thing to look for. It's hard to find, you know, our band for people. Yeah. And, um, none of them, I guess they would all like to get paid, but that's not why they're doing it. That's a big one. Um, we went through a process where we did, we, we had a couple of band members that didn't want to play covers anymore. Yep. And at that point, I think, um, I had written, um, five, six albums. That's right. It was finally starting to get better at it. And each album garnered, you know, three or four decent songs that at least I thought, and, and so did the band yeah. that we could start playing those. And eventually we got to the point where the albums were getting good enough to where we, we wanted to play them cover to cover in order. Nice. And we've done that with the last four albums. Um, so getting your band members to buy into everybody agreeing what to play. And I'll tell you what, if you write a song and record it and you introduce it to the band and they enjoy playing it and they dig it. And when you're done playing, they go, that's a really cool song. Nothing like There's it. nothing I mean, I guess if you had a bunch of fans in the crowd that said, that's a bitchin' song, but to have your own band members want to play the song, right. want to invest the time to practice it, want to get it right, want to listen to the recording and try to get the right pedal and the right volume and mm-hmm. and the mix right and come in and do their dee-doo-dee-doos when they're supposed to and all that, all that dynamic is just out of this world. It's just a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. And it's easy to take for granted when you've been doing it for so many years you know, with the same people and you step away from it and, and, and having gratitude for that and going, wow, we all get together. We play these songs that we've decided on. That's a miracle unto itself. Y'all showed up at one place to do this and you keep doing it. So you're getting something out of it. And, you know, it's gotta be fun and, you know, money gets it. And again, people getting paid. Are they not getting paid? Is this, what is this to you? How much is it taking away from it? The common bond of just loving to play and geeking out about gear and hey, now we have songs to put this gear to. You yeah. know, it's it's just it's all fun and it all it's not it's hard to predict and it's hard to go, well, I'm gonna put out this ad, I'm gonna have this band. It unless you've done the band thing, you, you realize, oh, it's it's hard. It's not online dating. You know, it's not there's no algorithm mm. that's gonna tell you that this is a perfect setup for for your style and Cause it's, it's just like, you know, well, there's give and take. Like I, I know when in, in my band, um, we, there's some songs that I don't like Mm -hmm. that I wrote. Yeah. That they like. Yeah. Or one of the band members will like. And so what I, what I'll do is, um, I try not to, um, be the dictator. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm the one that put the songbooks together. It's in my rehearsal space. Right. Um, I try to make them feel like they're, they, you know, that they, because they do, they're important to, to the band. Each guy's got to play his part and take it seriously and want to do it. Because if you got, if everybody's wanting to do it at the same time, you can get a lot done. It'll sound a lot better. You'll have a better band. They'll be tight. They'll want to invest the time, even if they're not getting paid to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and play this stuff over and over again, which is what you have to do Mm -hmm. to get good. And, 
you know, um, the other thing I was going to ask you, Jeff, is I've never been in a band that stuck together very long or, or worked out well where the singer didn't play an instrument. Good point. Have you? Uh, no. Okay. Think about it now. So what, 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 why is that? And, and I was thinking about that when I read this, um, I think what happens is, you know, guitar players and bass players and drummers. I mean, I was in a band where the drummer sang most of the songs. Yeah. And, and he did it well and he was a good singer. I think, uh, a lot of people don't want to try to be the singer and play an instrument at the same time. One, it's hard. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. It's more work. Um, and they're never quite confident in their voice, but their confidence in their playing. So therefore, they default to the playing and say, "No, let somebody else sing." But a lot of band, like let's take uh, Dave Grohl for instance, yeah. the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the drummer in Nirvana, and he did backup vocals, uh, so he he was used to singing. But they have to go out front and strap on a guitar and be the lead singer it was a transition for him. Yeah, and, and he'll I've heard him talk about that. Yeah, uh, he felt safe behind the kit. And right now, he's out front. Um, but you know, he's a pretty good singer Yeah, and maybe he's not the best singer, but he goes out and he puts enthusiasm in it and he, he practiced it. Joe Bonamassa Mm -hmm. was a guy who was a prodigy at guitar, Mm -hmm. but didn't sing that well. And he took lessons and worked on his vocals and now he's a great blues singer Oh yeah, and he has the confidence now and he's playing and singing. But that wasn't always the case for Joe. And if you dig back into some interviews, you know, you'll you'll find that to be true. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, one of the band members maybe just needs to step up and, and do double duty or split it up a little bit. And a lot of people can sing better than they think they can. You always hear the classic, well, we needed a singer, so I just started doing it. Yeah. That's like most of the time, that's the best story ever. And it works out for the best bands. Yep. To when it was this default thing, like, well, somebody had to take the role of that. And uh, so we decided, and yeah, you you get better. And it's it's hard to gauge because bands have blueprints along with who's kind of how you guys work internally. I mean, some bands, they come, they there's three sections of, of three sections of an album and they're all written, you know, and as long as you get your three songs, you play everybody else's three songs yeah. and you kind of see what sticks there's no set way that it's going to work because it's all different and you got to be open with whatever that may be for the sake of the songs the sake of the band's songs you know if that means you, this guy writes better songs like it's just one of those things where you got to serve the, the catalog for the band yeah and it's it's the team effort of it yeah, and I think if you play out enough um, and, and you try songs out, you know which ones work. Yeah. I mean, we dig back deep, deep in our catalog and we just have some songs that rock. They yeah. just turned yeah. out that way. I don't know why. People just love them. Right. And, you know, one of them uh, that we do was a like a, a last-minute add-on because I needed a tenth song. It's right. called Billy Blues. I wrote this cliche, bluesy thing. We close with it. Everybody loves it. Right. The band loves playing it and we get into it and it's a lot of fun. And it was just an afterthought. Right. And you just don't know how those accidents are going to happen. Right. So that's why you got to record stuff and write stuff and try it out and and you're going to fail. I have failed on a lot of songs. I've written 120 songs and probably 
20 of them are pretty pretty darn good and maybe another 15 are okay and and, and, that, and th- so you got two sets okay they're great yeah but it took 10 years to write that 120 songs record them put them out and and figure all that out yeah totally so no and you hear you hear similar stories like where it's like and it's not and the 120 songs you, you hear the the best 20 like you said and you really hear where these started to take shape and oh there's a little bit of that song in a lot of things and you can see how this molding process happened and it's it's there it's really something because you hear bands or producers back in the day they'd say like okay write 30 songs i want you to have 30 songs ready for the this 12th song 12 yeah yeah keep writing keep writing skeletons of songs let's get a base for this because you notice with a good song or any song really it's you can have a what are the chords what are the lyrics give me the gist okay we'll fill in all that later this is the best that's the best arranged song you have let's go with that one let's go now let's dive in so it's it, there's something about it and i i've heard podcasts of, of singer songwriters going well i committed to a song a day and i'm not going to throw anything out so song a day and there's something to that just lay it down you know, any riff you have, I, okay. It sounds like something, just lay it down, lay it down, come back to it. Yep. Something else will come about. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, that's a good question there. I mean, we could go on and on talking about bands and songs, originals versus covers and all that stuff. It's really, yeah, really fun to talk about. And you can tell Jeff and I like talking about that. All right, Jeff, you ready to move on? Yeah. What else we got, dude? We have the reverb delivery of the day. Oh my goodness. Now, this one is an interesting pedal, the Morley 2020 Wah. Oh man, switchless optical. So, <laughs> so t- Jeff, tell us about the Morley pedal. It's orange. So that pedal is really something. It's so I don't know. Have you ever, if you've played a Morley Wah versus a Crybaby? Yeah. The 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 treadle, I guess it's called is completely different. The sweep on that, it just feels completely different. And I could see somebody being on one camp or the other going, Morley's just feel more fluent. I don't know. There's something about them. I, I had played the bad horsey for my buddy had one for years and I'd step on it. And I don't know. It was always like, well, I'm more of a crybaby fan because everybody used them. But that Morley is something else. So it's if I remember correctly, it sw- it sweeps. You have the the choice of doing one setting to the left, and you can intensify that. Here, let's actually grab that. You want to grab it? Yeah, let me grab Here, it. I'll, okay, you go grab it. So we went on a whole. While well, Jeff's grabbing that pedal, we went on a whole. Um, is it over there, or did I pack it up? Yeah, so so we went on this whole wah crazy thing, and it started out with. Um, you know, we had the Crybabies, and then Jeff was going crazy about the Crybaby Classic. We did that, and then all of a sudden, it was the Morley. The Morley It camp. was uh, Slash's Wah. What's the one with the skeletal foot on it? Oh, the Kirk Hammett. Kirk Hammett one. I mean, we just went Wah crazy. And then, of course, last uh, episode on our podcast, we talked about the Crybaby Junior. So we like Wahs. Love them. And more to come. So we have all these episodes coming out with with Waz. Yeah. So so the Morley. Okay. So the Morley twenty twenty orange Wah lock pedal, and this one's so cool. So on the left you have this Woe setting, 
and basically it's going to change the sweep on that wah. And you talk about intensity. It goes from zero to 100. Like you have every, when I, when I was texting you, you're out of town. I was like, this thing covers all the parameters. Like it's insane how much ground this covers versus a crybaby. But the coolest thing about this thing, Bill, is on the right side, you can press it. And just like your, the, um, electroharmonics cockfight, you can oh. pick a parameter to where that's set to just poke through the mix. Uh. So it's just, it's so cool. You have so many different voicings and the spring on that wah. So you, you step it on, it just turns on, it turns off. There's no click. There's no click. Now it's, it's interesting about this. We've talked about this. So a crybaby with a click, your ear always hears it toe down to toe up when it turns on. If you were to just, you're playing and you turn it on, you're, you've always heard it do that to now you hear it the other way. It's interesting. So that wah turns on, it goes toe down. It's going toe down as opposed to up. And it's it's a different way to turn it on. You definitely notice it. Yeah. But, oh, how reassuring knowing that's going to turn off and you don't have to click that. So if you've played a crybaby long enough, that switch goes out. You have to keep pressing harder and harder till you feel or hear a snap and you don't have a light on there. Uh, many a times that thing was left on on my board. So you have you have these different settings. You can the intensity, this woe setting on the left, and the the lock setting, which this orange one does. That's its its claim to fame in this twenty twenty series, and it's cool. It's not too big. It's not too small. Yeah, it's kind of in the middle. It's almost uh, crybaby junior. Yeah, maybe just a little bit bigger than the junior. Would you say? Yeah, a little bit bigger, but such a cool design and that morally kind of I don't know skateboard uh, grip tape on the top. I love that. Love that. That's like the, uh, dime bag Daryl cry baby. Ah. The, the, uh, Cowboys from hell CFH one that they came out with had that grip tape, but it's really cool and it's really intense and more or least just have a different sweep. I don't know. More forgiving, more of that sweet spot that people like the Ibanez wah that for was using that big gray one from the eighties. We'll have to get one of those at some point. It's switchless. Yeah. The, the Ibanez wah. And it does that same thing to where, kind of like the 535Q, you can dial it in to where it's very forgiving. The highs aren't so extreme. The lows aren't so extreme. So you're just kind of, you're able to go back and forth and not be so, you know, articulate and staying right in the middle. So that it's, it's cool. It's so different, you know, and you have all those different settings. I told you, I was like, this is a must on Bill's board. Yeah. This is definitely a must. Yeah. There's so many things that. It's just hard to get to them all and switch them around. Then you're. What's in, that one I have on the board now? See the Donner. Oh no, you have the the custom shop that they came up. The yeah, badass. The badass. The custom badass. Yeah, I like that. So that though, and we didn't really talk much about that. We that, haven't. That's so cool because it does the. From what I understand, the '95 and then the classics. So the Fassel inductors. Yep. You have on the spot the the you know because we did the classic, then we did the GCB '95. We were on that trip for a couple of weeks. We're in and out. It, every week, it's a different theme of Waz, which ones we're into. But that one was so cool, and it's light, and it looks cool. It's badass. It's, it really is. <laughs> hey, they nailed it with that name. Yeah, they did. Just, not just a clever name. All right. We we are going to be doing more Waz episodes. Of, I mean... A lot of crying. Jeff, you're a, you're a big Waz guy. I I'm love not as Waz. big a Waz guy as you are, and to watch you go crazy on that. We got so many to I pick know. from. I know. We... 
So little time and so much to do, right? That's all right. We'll get to it. We will before episode one hundred. We'll have some more walls I, going. Uh, we got. We're. I have we a feeling. See how many are in this room. Yeah, and and don't forget about that one from the eighties, the gray one you were just talking. Oh, the about. Ibanez. Yeah, the Ibanez, and they uh, reissued. Text it. me that because I need to go on a search because we we need that. That that's we, a must. And someday, what? The Digitex Space Station. Some point in time. Oh, those are really expensive. They're, is that yeah. the yellow one? That's the weird yellow space station. Yeah, I looked at those. Those are they're, not cheap. No, they're not. They're not. So it, that's one of those ones where I'm. It's it's so have, fascinating. It's like it's like. Have the, you played one? I've never played one. Oh, I've only seen videos. It's it's along the lines of the '90s gonculator. Like era of of experimenting with the pedals, but the '90s thing, the space station is just it does some weird wacky things. So that Digitech series, I own the Whammy Wah out of that series, the right. XP100 Whammy Wah. So they did the Wah, they did the reverb, they may have done a modular one, then they did the Yellow Space Station, and just like the DoD, where the gonculators, the gem out of that, the space stations, the gem out of this series. You always notice that, like whenever, like Dan Electro had the Cool Cat or the Fab Tone was the, the one out of that that bunch. Are you bringing that up? What are those going at? Now, I'm, I'm looking for the Digitech uh, Space Station. It's such I'm, a weird. I can't type. And the cool thing about the XP100 series. Oh, it's the XP300, right? 300. The yeah, here we go. It is oh. just. That bad. well, six fifty. Oh my gosh, those went up, man. Five fifty. All pedals are climbing. Yeah, that's by the time. Oh my gosh. Every, yeah, that's seven hundred dollars. That wasn't that was in the twos or threes a year ago. Yeah. I want to say it's so it's the the weird thing about this series, the XP series of these that came out were like you had the whammy prior, which had the knob, which would turn. You'd land on a setting. These actually, like digitally, you could scan up and down through the settings. So suddenly, oh, that's neat. It's very neat because the whammy, all of a sudden, th that XP one hundred is really cool. Um, you can go, okay, I want, okay, the fifth or the the octave, and then suddenly it's under your feet. Okay, click up three, cl click down four. I'd use that thing all the time, and that whole series. It's again the cult following behind those now. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the four hundred? Because they've got an XP four hundred on here, which is, is a it little bit. What cheaper. color is it? Gray. Gray. Yeah. That might be the reverb. So they did a reverb. The red's the whammy wah. The gray's the reverb. I want to say the oh, blue. This one's been converted to the XP three hundred. It says. Okay, so that's another thing. So so you is could, that a thing? That's a thing. So everybody could buy one of the other series, and I think the I think it goes like this. I think the reverb, that one was easily converted to the the x the space station the easiest i could be wrong but that chassis is what you needed because they all had the same chassis the xp so people were doing that mod they were like let me change yours into this you know send it away so the whole following to try to get your old one to the space station's a thing as well oh yeah you can see that the the 400 and 300 have the same chassis it even looks like the writing and the screens the same on it nice yeah it's just a different color. Hey, Bill, what's the XP100 at these days? That might have been the easiest to get. Okay, let me check. That. And see if that interface looks the same. 100. 
Yeah, it's not coming up. It's an XP one hundred. Yeah, yeah. The whammy wah. It's, it's that's some rare gear. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> well, we. Th- what a cool pedal to be like. Look, we can do. Like, don't tell anybody. We know we can do we this can mod. mod. Yeah. yeah, the crazy mod to do that. That was in the Stompbox book. I guess if you're gonna buy a. a a 400 that's modded to a 300 and they're within 100 bucks of each other you may as well I'd, just get the 300 I'd and have the them. yellow one i they, they that yellow just looks pretty cool it's it's a it's the name alone yep all right we do digress <sighs> we sure do we could just talk all day that's why we have this podcast because jeff and i just used to sit around and oh, do this it gives all us the time some format just for conversation yeah two hours ago by I mean, how come we didn't record that that would have been fun like we so, kind of need parameters on our conversations at all times or else it's just like can, can we admit that we actually do listen back to our own podcast because it feels like we've been hanging out again? Yeah. I do. Oh, yeah. I'll be, there'll be a reference to something where it's like, I think that's what this was. And then you go yeah. back. There it is. Yep. All yeah. documented. All right. Okay. Let's move on, Jeff. That was fun. Uh, to what's going on in music. Now, you probably remember this. Uh, I read this morning that the real... Millie Vanilli singer died today or yesterday. His name was John Davis. You know, Millie Vanilli, where the oh, two yeah, guys yeah. faked that they were singing, but they yeah. really had a real singer. They lip synced everything. Well, yeah. They did live shows and, and nobody knew. And I didn't one of them even kill themselves. Yeah, I was just going to yeah, say, I knew it that. It was bad. So the other, oh, that's too bad. So the guy who was actually the real singer yeah. died. And it reminded me of that. And you know where I went with this uh, when I read that? Where? I started thinking about, like, um, you know, the, there's there's a camp that thinks that the singer at the Super Bowl should sing live versus a pre-recorded track. Hmm. And in fact, there was a lot of entertainers, big-time entertainers, that were they were singing to a to a fully-on pre-recorded track, and they were lip-syncing their own concerts. Right. And then somebody had a train wreck and their soundtrack stopped or something or whatever they were doing. Yeah. And they got they got ousted. Um, it, so this Millie Vanilli was kind of pre that. And somebody decided, hey, we got a good singer, but we also got these great looking guys who can wear cool clothes and, and bounce around good dancers and everything. And we're just going to tell everybody that they're singing it. Yeah, it's 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 sticky because it's what's marketable and who the lineage of this whole thing because it's like i'll watch back footage from the 70s and it's like obvious on a certain show midnight special or something not in that case but that that is definitely pre-recorded but back then i don't think a lot of people caught on as easily that it was like wait that's a backing track wait what are you talking about i just thought they were doing their thing I mean, it's one thing to to do that, but then to showcase it as a completely different person that's doing it. Yeah. Then you're like, well, I, I what does it even matter what I subscribe to at that point? Yeah. Pop music's been, strange. Well, and I've been to concerts where I've heard the the people, you know, the band sings live, and you're like, yeah. guy, they don't sing their. I'm kind of disappointed yeah. because I'm used to listening to that. Back then, it was an album over and over again until right. I wore it out. I knew that song better than they did. Yeah. And then to go hear them sing it and be disappointed. Now, some of the bands that I went to did not do that, like the Cars. Yeah. That was one of the first concerts I saw. Rick Ocasek. They were awesome live. They sounded very close to what so Elliot Easton playing his left-handed Strad. Yeah. Just awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, but 
some of the guys, you know, you almost wish they would have sang a backing track because it just would have sounded better, you know. But that's not why you see live music. It's really neat to see somebody that's got real talent that can go out there and it sounds better than their album. Yeah. That's And that's demanding. Awesome. I mean, you ask yeah. an artist, well, do you want me to dance the whole halftime show and try to sing this? Or do you want me to just stand there and preserve my voice like I did when you heard the recording and actually yeah. did... So you're like, well, no, we want both. Well, it's really hard to do that, to deliver yeah. that while I'm doing acrobats. Um, but then to have Prince go out and pull it off in the rain. Exactly. Live. And you're just like, holy crap, I still get goosebumps when I watch that video. 100%. Or Bruno Mars's. Yeah. And that guy's jumping all over the place, playing different instruments. And he's so talented. It's just right. oozing out of his hair, you know. Yeah. And, and his Super Bowl halftime show i thought was freaking awesome and i'm i'm not even really a you don't have his, to be a fan I, no no he was just so entertaining and and he, he he was captivating i mean it was just awesome i think we're all rooting for somebody to pull it off anything any yeah. any event when you see somebody it's like are they gonna make it yes yes you know you root for him it's it's a hard one because you said it too like would i man i just saw that and it was it was hard to watch and i'm bummed i would have rather it been recorded yeah. like did do i'd rather would i rather walk away and go that sounded perfect i know that wasn't him singing or hear it ba done badly That's well here's here's one so i was reading something um about jimmy page and how when they did the o2 show mm -hmm. i i had the dvd when it first came out i had to get it and and i watched that from front to back and i was like you know, Jason Bonham was drumming. Yep. Because John was obviously dead. And um, I thought, wow, they were so good. Well, then I read later, um, you know, Jimmy Page went in and they, they did some editing yeah. um, to it. And so I started thinking, well, how did they do that? So then I watched it again years later mm. after I had read that article that he went in and did some editing and stuff. And... So the first thing I was watching was his guitar solos. Mm. And I thought, you know what? He's fast enough and 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 good enough that where if he spent time in the studio, he could overdub a live guitar solo and make it sound perfect. Then I started looking at the vocals and who's the lead singer? I can't even think of his name right Plant. now. Plant. Yeah, Robert Plant. And his mic, he holds it really close to his mouth. So you could overdub his vocals too and not even know because you can't read his lips. Yeah. And and I was watching it in a different light and I thought, wow, they he could have overdubbed a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And so then I think, well, guy, even what we're watching sometimes is it real? <laughs> I don't know. At the end I I had to cast all that aside and say, you know what? I'm glad they got together. I'm glad they rehearsed. I'm glad they did a live show. I'm sure it was amazing. It was neat to see Jason there playing for his dad, and he sounded really good on the drums. And and I don't care if they fix some stuff. Good I, for them. It, it sounded perfect, and I was totally entertained, and it, and it gave me goosebumps, and I loved it. Totally. Live albums are a trip, and you hear that done a lot, going back and just fine-tuning certain things. And there was that whole Halford thing where like, he went back and did that Judas Priest live recording and did a lot of the vocals but to his credit he did it all in one take as if it were live so it, it's 
I don't, it's a, it's a hard one. It's like everything was perfect that day, except for one thing we couldn't, like the mix didn't pick up one thing. We had a malfunction. We had to go back. So we overdubbed it. If it's within the time period, if we're in that same year or a couple of years, that's okay. It's like, okay, wait, 30 years later, you're doing overdubs on top to release a live footage. That's not okay. No. If it's in that time period and they did it and it's, I don't know, it's tasteful. It's, it is what it is. You know, is it, correct are there only some elements of that live performance there at that point is it a studio album it's a hard one and and if it is smoke and mirrors and you're going oh, wait do i need to be on guard at all times is, is yeah what? i don't want to be that cynical mm. you know if yeah. it sounds good and i like the band and they put out some really good stuff i i really it's like we were talking on another podcast about compression on um, youtube yeah right are you, you know, okay, so it, the compression that, that they put on your YouTube uh, audio right. probably changes shootouts and stuff like that. Do I care? You know, I... Did you get the... Did you get the general idea? Yes. Okay, that's good. <laughs> right, right. So let's just enjoy the music, right? That's what I say. All right. Always said it. We're in the same camp. You know? I love it. In the same boat. All right. It's it's a tough one because, yeah, you're it, nothing... Everything's a variable on what you heard that day, the mics being used, the place in in the room you were at. It's it can all be argued that yeah. you're not hearing it correctly. You're wrong, right? right? No, you're you're wrong. You're not hearing this right. Maybe if you took some wires out of the pedal and or out of the amp and then had them surgically implanted in That's your brain, finally there on the little hammer uh, in your ears or something, then then you would truly be hearing it right. You know what? It's going to take that kind of technology <laughs> to finally hear this for what it is. It's like, well, the the crazy thing's this. It's like even our ears probably hear different. Like your ears and mine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, EQing. You know, my uh, somebody in your family who starts losing their hearing. It's not volume. It's frequencies. Like the volume doesn't need to go up when you hear a solo. So like naturally, you know, I, I had some bad tinnitus throughout the years, you know, where I've been told there's some damage in my ear. Well, is it ever going to be the same? Uh, was it ever the same upon birth? I think I've sold the frequency thing to my wife. Cause yeah. she says, you don't hear me. You don't listen to me. I go, it's cause your voice is in that frequency. I can't hear. She, there needs to be an EQ somewhere. You're like, hold on. It's like, you know, EQ, it could be, you know, you've heard a frequency for so long. It's just like, I, I, I think it's, it's there been is. over it's, it's in the voice. four. Now, if you if you knew like okay, it's four hundred k. When you start using that kind of stuff, it's throwing that out there. It's like oh, you know what you're talking about. A, which department of the equalization do I need to to boost? <laughs> Pedals, the GE seven, the Boss equalizer, frown face, right, Bill? That's right. The frown face. Yeah, that's, that's that was it. our first bonding when yep. it was like oh, you just do the frown face too on the EQ. How'd that's... you know about that? I do that too. Yeah, pokes yep. through. That was our connection. <laughs> All right. Well, rest in peace, John Davis. We enjoyed your singing on the Millie Vanilli albums. Yeah. Thanks for singing. All right. Anything else we want to talk about before we wrap up uh, episode 17, Jeff? Dimension C. The Dimension C. What a pedal. Can't wait for the Waza to come. And we're going to be doing it all over again. And, and that's exciting. I love it. I just hope in the comments it's just a number. It's like the response is three. Just your preference. Which number? Which number are you? Hey, one, two, three, just, or four. Just, just send the number. <laughs> All right, Jeff. That wraps up 
another episode of the SoCal Riff Ranch Podcast. Thanks, guys. See ya.